Previous to that, we were doing a series on Proverbs um, and looking at this practical book, which um, was written by Solomon, wise man, uh, but many other contributions from some other um, authors as well. Um, and it, the book of Proverbs gives a real practical guide to how we live life well. But here's the thing about the book of Proverbs. It freaks me out a little bit because the authors don't pull any punches. And sometimes when you read it, you can go, <gasps> you know, uh, it's, it's very direct language. Um, and I have to be absolutely honest, and sometimes it makes me a little bit uncomfortable in my seat. But then I wonder, is that what I need sometimes? And was that the intention of the authors going forward? And while this week I want to explore the topic, we've looked at different topics. So we've looked at wisdom, um, we have looked at how you choose the people that you spend time with and well, um, and, and who you choose to let influence your path and your walk. We've looked at families and, and how we steward that responsibility well. We've looked at marriages and how we do those well as well. And this week, um, what I, the kind of, uh, thing that I want to look at is, and what's been in this, uh, the topic, is cultivating a heart of compassion. Here's the thing, I've got a talk ready, but I have this feeling that, that God is going to take over this morning, and it makes me very nervous. <laughs> we've had a wonderful weekend in Alpha, we've had the Holy Spirit weekend, um, we've had a weekend of building community, of eating together, of sharing with each other of exploring how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and how the Holy Spirit helps us to experience the immensity of God's love for us. And that's where I'm drawn to in this talk. And while I am going to very quickly cover some of the things in Proverbs that God talks to us about cultivating a heart of compassion, I have to say that my heart lies in that area of experiencing the immensity of God's love. Because where, I've gone off my notes, where we are as a f church family and where we've grown in the recent sort of weeks, I feel is a pinnacle time from we planted this church nearly seven, just over seven years ago. And we've seen lives changed and grown and lives impacted, communities touched, groups of people changed and supported and helped and loved. But that all comes from a very strong basic foundation, and that is actually knowing and experiencing the incredible love of a father. I believe that's where the energy source comes from. We could stand and teach you all of these principles from Proverbs. We could teach you things of how do we, and I am going through this morning, I promise I'm going to go back to the subject, of all of the things of how to position your heart to that place of compassion for others. But if it doesn't come from a wealth of knowing how much the Father loves you and how unconditionally you are loved, we soon run out of that will and that energy and that passion to do all of those things and see them, them happen. Jackie Pollinger, I'll go back on the subject now, sorry. My kids will say I do that quite frequently, diverse off and go on a, on a thing. But Jackie Pollinger, in case you didn't know, is an amazing lady. I, I would advise you, if you haven't 
learnt anything about her. Go read her biography. Go uh, watch some videos about her. She's an incredible lady who got onto a boat one time and decided, right, God, cheapest fare that she could find, took her out in the seas, and she said, you tell me where to get off, God. You tell me where you want to lead me. And uh, she got off in Hong Kong, um, and she began her ministry in serving the prostitutes and people who were drug addicts within Hong Kong. And she said this um, with regard to our hearts. We need to have soft hearts and hard feet. Soft hearts to see the needs and to be moved in the action, and hard feet to give us the ability to take that action. And I suppose when I was doing this, uh, you know, cultivating a heart of compassion, what does that look like? I began to sort of ask myself questions. What does it mean? Why should I do it? And if I am to do it, how can I cultivate the ability and the heart to be able to do it? And then it began me on a path of going, well, are there some people that that's not just who they are? That it's not innately a personality trait that they have? Is it not just some people who you look at them and you go, oh my word, they have an amazing heart of compassion. When they see a need, they are moved to help that need. And I will, you know, say, yes, I know people who that is the way that they live. But does that say that we say, well, that's the group of people that can do that? And maybe it's not something that I need to grow in. And we're going to kind of explore that in Proverbs and what it's said to. You know, is it just some people that are called to it? And I think we'll find out that that's maybe not true. So I began with lots of questions when I was preparing this talk. Um, and uh, <laughs> the World Wide Web is amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? In good, wa- good ways. We, so, so often we, we kind of look at it and we go, oh my goodness, it's so bad. Look at all the negative things. But it is truly an amazing advancement in our world today. And my kids laugh at me. Now, I'm not that old, but I didn't have the internet. You're nodding. That's my son nodding to say I am old. I didn't have the internet. It boggles my mind how anybody ever did a degree or studied for a master's or anything. They must have spent their life in a library. You know, I didn't have a mobile phone. You know, all you kids are going, oh my goodness, what did you do with your life? How did you spend your time? How did you put the time in? But you know, Google is a wonderful asset. And you can ask Google anything. When someone says to me in work, do you know how to do this? I say, no, I don't. But Google will. And you can become an expert in anything watching a 10-minute video on YouTube. You can learn to build a house. No offense to any of you builders who have spent all that time in your apprenticeship. You can learn to service a car. Sorry, Johnny, wherever he is, who's the expert in car um, mechanics and study for all of those years. But you can advance your knowledge in lots of things. So I began with the quest of a few questions about this, cultivating a compassionate, a heart of compassion. How do we do it? What does it look like? And why should we do it? Why should we cultivate a heart of compassion? 
Um, when I was older, um, I had uh, the great privilege of being the only child, or the only girl, and the youngest child in a really close family. So I had a big brother. I had eight close male cousins. Um, we were all quite a close family, um, and we went to the same primary school. Now, the fact that I was the youngest and the only girl started me on a really good, uh, you know, front foot. <laughs> it meant that I was spoiled immensely by my grandparents and by aunties who longed for a little girl. The downside of it was I was a tomboy and my aunties who longed for a little girl kept buying me frilly dresses. Um, so that, that was kind of the downside of it. Um, but there was another advantage in primary school. Because as the youngest in the family and having all these big boys around you, people thought twice about taking you on the playground. And whenever someone, it looked like I was going to get into a bit of a sticky wicket, I said that old Northern Ireland saying, I'll get my big brother for you, or I'll get my big cousin for you. So in the playground at school, I felt pretty safe. I had advocates, I had defenders protecting me and standing up for me. The playground could be a very dangerous world, but I can walk well. No one bothered me, because everybody learned quite quickly, don't mess with her. She's got people who will step in, who will be her advocate and will defend her. And until then, I grew up and became big enough and ugly enough to defend myself whenever they went off to big school. And I guess it takes me on to who are, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about a lot of people, a group of people who may not have the capacity or the ability or the courage to stand up for themselves or to advocate for themselves. And God calls these people the poor. So many times in Proverbs, we have God talking about this group of people. And we're going to explore a little bit about what God feels about this group of people. But before I do that, I kind of want to think, well, what does the word poor encompass? What kind of group of people does that mean? And in the Bible, there are 178 uses of the word poor in Scripture. And the majority of them relate to poverty. They relate to material poverty or a lack of, of things in that area. But it's much more complex than that. And some of these verses that I have up here, Proverbs 13, verse 23, much food is tilled in the land of the poor, but there are those who are destroyed because of injustice. It's much more complex than somebody just not having something. Quite often we have people who take advantage of the poor in all of our societies and the injustice that is in that. And then there's the loneliness that poverty brings. 19 verse 4 says this, Wealth makes many friends, but the poor man is avoided by his neighbor. So this group of people is much bigger and much wider. And while our thoughts instantly go to those who have lack of poverty or material needs, um, it is so much bigger. People who struggle with addictions, people who feel alienated because of their mental health or their physical disability, who are excluded from social acceptance, those who are vulnerable and not strong enough to raise their voice, people who are in spiritual poverty as well who haven't heard the story that we have heard and accepted the love that we have, lo we have accepted. And I love this saying from Mother Teresa. 
Um, and if you do, I'm sure you've all heard of Mother Teresa and her calling and her ministry uh, to the poor. Um, but she encompasses it like this. The hungry, the naked, the homeless, the crippled, the blind, the lepers, all those who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared for throughout society. Now, that encompasses a lot of people. It also encompasses some of us at different times in our life. So when you think of the poor and the needy, it's not, you can think of distant countries, you can think of um, being far away, um, but sometimes it's right on our doorstep, sometimes it's in our families um, and in our homes as well. So it gets quite personal. The next question I kind of led it on to was that's the group of people that Proverbs is talking about and it's bigger than we actually think initially. But then there's the why. Why do we grow a heart of compassion towards this group of people? Why are we called to do that from these verses in Proverbs? Apart from it being a basic need of suffering that we see, our humanness will go and help someone in need. But what I'm talking about is going beyond that. It's going to what God has called us to. In, and, and told us about in the book of Proverbs. And how we respond to that need and how, and what does it look like from the book of Proverbs? What does God say about this, this group of people? If we go back to the story of my playground and, and the stronger, older advocates that I had to plead my case and to protect me, in case you hadn't heard it, and in case you haven't read it, and in case you haven't understood it, this group of people have a very powerful advocate. And God makes it very clear in his scripture that they have a special heart place to play in his heart. We've got a little video um, that Evie's going to play now that just kind of pulls out all of those things in scripture about God's heart for these people. fiercely loves the poor. He's very clear in his word about his expectations for us to strive to cultivate a heart of compassion towards this group of people. He makes it very clear in the words in Proverbs. This is some of them. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind and needy honors God. A generous man, or sorry, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward 
him for what he has done. A generous man will himself be blessed for the shares his food with the poor. Proverbs is very clear about God's intentions towards this group of people. He doesn't pull any punches with his words that he speaks. He means business, if you like. And this theme is repeated throughout Proverbs with more than a dozen other passages continuing on this message. To put it frankly and to take it in our own words, you meddle with the poor, you meddle with God. You bless the poor and you will be blessed by God, just to put it in simple words. But a word of caution, because I wouldn't want you to think that I'm saying if you go and help the poor, your bank balance is suddenly going to grow. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. But what God is saying here is, it's not richness in human measure, but it's riches in his measure. Riches in a heavenly measure, which exceed all human blessing that we could have. So I think it's very clear in the book of Proverbs, if we're looking at the teaching of why. Why is about understanding how much God deeply cares for the pain of this group of people. How much he deeply feels their pain. It's about if we follow him, we need to care about what he cares about. We need to become advocates for those that he advocates for. The why is pretty simple to answer because God teaches it. Through his words, through what we've seen in Proverbs, through the teachings of Jesus, he hasn't failed to communicate his instruction in a simple and direct way to all of us. Notice it just doesn't say the people that it comes naturally to in all of those verses, but to all of us, that is the challenge. That is what he's calling us to. So we've answered sort of what are the group of people, why do we do this, but then there's a whole thing of, well, then that's great, but how do we do it? And this is where I want to start, where my heart lies and where I feel God is kind of leading me to this morning, because I'm going to stray away from Proverbs a little bit. We'll come back to some of the verses, uh, I promise, but I want to stray away. Um, I haven't got this in my notes, so I'm going to share it. We all deeply need to be loved. It is a basic human need. And it's an area that is really difficult because relationships in human terms are really hard and really difficult. But the love that God has for you, the immensity, the deepness, the unconditionalness of that, is a thing that if grasped, brings freedom. And I just don't mean a little bit of freedom. I mean total freedom. Regardless of the circumstances, and I don't make little of, of people's really difficult circumstances in this area, but regardless of those circumstances, knowing that deep love, and you notice that I have another word up there and I've got acceptance, because I believe this is some people's mountain. The acceptance of that love equates to a full bucket. You see, it's really hard to share and to give and to see need and to move out of a empty bucket. Would you agree? Yes. You will run out. You will grow tired. But out of a full bucket, we have the capacity 
to do what God calls us to do, to be the people that we were called to be. And about, probably about 15 years ago, and I've been a Christian for about 30 years, I had a bit of a revelation and a bit of a journey in this area. So I had accepted Jesus. I knew he loved me. I knew that God had given his only son to die on a cross so that I could enter into a relationship with him. I knew all of that. I knew from the stories that I'd learned in the Bible that God loved me, and he loved me deeply. But about 15 years ago, and that's 15 years into my Christian life, and I'd had a wonderful first 15 years, I came to a point of an acceptance of that love and an acceptance of the identity of who I was. And where I would have come to my father with head hung going, I'm so sorry for the terrible things and the, the wick things that I do and the laziness of me and I'd have come on my head down. I, became, I began to come to my father with my head up. With my head up because I had a realization that I was loved completely, unconditionally, regardless of who or what I had done or was. Why? Because when he looked at me, he seen perfection. He seen perfection. A perfect creation made by him and redeemed by Jesus. So my challenge is our buckets will run out if we don't come to a place where we know and accept that incredible love of God for us. It releases us to be. And I don't say that lightly because I know there are mountains for people to actually get to that acceptance. And maybe you've got to the base of the mountain and maybe you've got halfway up. Well, I believe that the Father has said, I want you at the top. I believe that that's his heart for you to know and to be at the top of the mountain and understand how much he loves you, how much God cares for you. So that's the first, and for me, that's the foundation of cultivating a heart of compassion, of knowing. The second that Proverbs talks about, and I am jumping back into Proverbs, is Proverbs um, verse 28, or chapter 28, verse 27. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them may receive many curses. Again, that's the Proverbs, isn't it? Many curses is a bit uncomfortable. But why have I put this up? Seeing moves you to action. Seeing helps cultivate that heart of compassion. If we don't see it, if we close our eyes to it, if we hide from it, we'll never actually be moved to support, help, and love these people the way that God loves them. And it's a choice where we put our eyes, isn't it? It's a choice what we see. And at this point, there was loads of stories that I could, uh, you know, could tell you. I just pulled out a couple from our church family. And I remember the point where my eyes were open to our community because quite often we planted the church and you kind of think, well, you know, it's quite a growing community. You know, can't be that many needs of, um, from, from a poverty materialistic point of view and I remember my husband coming home and I'm sitting down in the living room we hadn't long planted the church and um, his he was really upset and he was he was ready to cry and um, he's quite an emotional person anyway and usually you know him uh, but he was really quite distraught and he'd been with a young family um, and the wife and children had, uh, had one meal that day 
And this was in Cartragus. The father had had a banana in, 20, in 48 hours. He was a working father to support his family, but the poverty was so immense that he couldn't feed his family. And my eyes were open to the need in Carrick Fergus in that area. And thank heavens I've got a husband who accents those needs. And he went on to start it. We started a small, those of you with us from the start would remember, we had a small food bank at the start. But he soon realized that's not going to meet the need. And as a young church, we didn't have the capacity to make that any bigger. So what did he do? He went and found a church, a few churches who were big enough, sold them the, the, the sort of the vision, got them connected with Trezzle Trust, and now the wonderful Jordan Victory have the Carrick Food Bank based up at their church. They had the room, they had the capacity, and they feed many, many families who are in need out of it. We had a girl in our, in our church family who seen a need of young children in her classroom who came without the school bags and the pencils that they needed. And it went much deeper than not having the stuff to do their schoolwork. It went to their identity. It went to their worth. It went to who they were important to. And she started a compassion ministry called ARC that supplies school bags. I can't remember. Maybe Carolyn could jog me. How many school bags does? 52 the first year and 86 last year distributed to children who needed them in schools going forward. We had another person in our family um, who seen the need of kids who were coming out of care and living independently for the first time. Again, in those group of people whose identity and worth in our community was downtrodden. They needed someone to show that they mattered and that they they were cared for, so they started a compassion ministry called Care, which supplies the basic needs and supplies for those kids coming out and living independently. We have a couple in CAP, you've already seen CAP, who realized the destruction that debt brought to families. The destruction in financial and material terms, but the destruction in confidence, in identity, in worth that it does to individuals and families, and they work with CAP help prevent it but also to help families that are in that I could go on and on and on I only have I'm going to start bringing in the land now and I only have a few minutes and there's loads of stories but there's loads of stories of people that have seen that have seen the need and if we don't see it it's hard to cultivate a heart of compassion and you'll be glad to know that the next slide um, I, I've covered the first point as well already in that those that see then helps us to extend our hands Proverbs 31.20 says, Open her arms to the poor and extend her hands to the needy. There are so many ways that we can extend our hands to the needy. In our everyday lives, in our church lives, in our work lives, in our communities, in our town, and further afield international. And last, I wanted to sort of bring in there before I, I start to bring it into close, is building relationships. Personal involvement nourishes compassion and I'm going to embarrass my husband again because I'm going to use him as an example as well with a wonderful man in our community um, who began a support not Steve actually another wonderful man <laughs> who began uh, a support for um, addictions people with addictions in our town and uh, we began this journey with him about seven years ago, and Stephen began to cultivate a relationship with him. 
and he began to cultivate relationships within this group. And it was a closed group, so it's only open to people with addictions. But Steve has a wonderful privilege of being invited in when they have socials and all that kind of thing. And he's built relationships with them. He's built an understanding of what they go through and of what their challenges are. And that's been so important to that connection. And it's a connection which continues to grow and build. The last one that I'm really passionate about and I never want to be a part of is where it's just a project. Because this heart that God has for this group of people is not a project. It's about people. People that he loves. People that he treasures. And I guess it brings me into cultivating a heart of compassion goes with the territory of loving God and following Jesus. It's inseparable. You can't separate it. It's unnegotiable. It's not an optional extra. John, 1 John 3 and 17 says this, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can they love how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words of tongue, but with actions of truth. I guess to finish, I want to kind of bring it back to where, who is our role model? Who do we look at? Who do we follow? Um, who shows us um, how to grow in this? And I want to bring it back to Jesus, because Jesus knew the heart of his father. He knew and accepted his love from his father completely. He's seen the need of the people around him, and he extended his hands by the cross. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Christ was so moved by compassion, so moved with a compassionate heart that he left the spiritual wealth of heaven the splendor of heaven so that the spiritually poor and by the way that's you and I could gain his riches could claim his inheritance but what is wonderful story is that he went further than that it wasn't just that eternal life it was actually an offer of getting personal of a relationship of a friendship that wasn't based on, you know, me making you feel guilty looking at people in need on the TV. And while there are amazing many humanitarian projects that go on out there um, in the world, and I want to acknowledge those, and they're wonderful, they help loads of people, that's not what this is about. This is about cultivating a heart that comes from God loving you. It's driven by love, knowing and accepting God's love and stirred by the Spirit to move in that, to be moved by what moves him, to be heartbroken for what breaks his heart and to advocate for those that he advocates for. You'd be glad to know I'm coming in to close and I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come up and, and be behind me if that would be great. But I mentioned at the start and this is where I'm a swan on the top <laughs> and uh, a little bit of a duck with the legs going a dinger underneath um, because I'm going to be bold and brave and we're going to do something a little bit different. 
whenever I was praying and preparing for this, I, there were kind of three things that God spoke to me about. And the first one I've already shared with you, I've already said, and that is knowing and accepting um, God's love. Sorry. Why do I get emotional about this? Because I've seen so many people who've accepted Jesus but haven't actually come to that point of accepting that love. And I so would love to be able to bring God down and do it face to face and let him explain. But you know what? We've got the Holy Spirit. And I believe in his power and his ability to move mountains. So that's the first group of people that I want to speak to and I want to pray with. If you would love to experience in a real, physical way, in your heart and your mind, the love that God has for you, the unconditional love, and accept that love, whatever your mountain is, is it I'm not worthy? Is it I'm not good enough? Is it I don't do enough? Is it I'm not a good enough Christian? Is it I don't read my Bible enough? Is it I don't pray enough? Then I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and remove that mountain or take you to the top of it, whatever you want to do. Over it, round it, or through it. I don't really care. But I want to pray for you as a group of people. The second bit that came to my eyes was that, or my in mind was that as I've been talking to you, it's reminded you that you have eyes that have seen a need and your heart has been stirred by God and you feel that he's calling you to extend a hand to build a relationship, but you feel stuck in that action. It's as if, yeah, you have this, but I'm stuck. I don't know. It's like, it's kind of, I've got a foot here, but I don't know what the next step is. Then we'd really love to pray with you because I believe that God is going to bring a release to that, that stuckness tonight. And the third is, is, is more specific. It's, it's a very specific thing that the Father showed me, that God is speaking to someone here about an action, about something that he wants you to do. But you have this feeling, this niggling feeling, this is so small and insignificant that what's the point? And you're hanging back because you think, oh, that's stupid. It's so small it won't actually make a difference. And I believe the Father wants to say to you, this morning, I have the big picture. You can't see the big picture, but I have the big picture. And that little thing that you think is so significant is actually essential to my big picture. And he wants to encourage you to move forward. And the band are going to start playing behind me just, just quietly as, as, as they're going to start playing some music. We're going to lead into a worship song in a minute, but we're going to do something a little bit differently. And here's what's going to be the brave bit. If you want to experience God's love for you in a deep new way, if you want to get around that mountain that's stopping you, accept it, go over it, through it, don't care, then I'm going to ask you to stand. I might be standing by myself, that's all right. But if you want to experience that, I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And it's going to take you to be brave. But if you want to experience that love, I want to pray with you just generally across. So I want you to, to stand. You may have been a Christian for a long time.
may have been Christian for a new time, that doesn't matter. So I'm just going to ask you to stand now. That would be great.